the last time we spoke on, on the podcast, it was uh, just after the uh, the uh, beginning of Operation Aqsa Flood, the the response seventh of October. So since then, we've seen seventh of November, seventh of December, seventh of January. Now seventh of February, four months it's been. Uh, my I guess my first question is, do you condemn Hamas? Mm. <laughs> I just have to. That, that's the standard joke that I've been uh, saying to everyone. But the, the real question is, what's just tell me your overall. What's your reaction been to the what you've seen in the last four months? Let's let's start with that. You know, earlier you said you couldn't hear me. Yeah. So I said we should be conducting a Sky News interview. Doesn't matter. <laughs> طيب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا المجاهد الشهيد ومن جاهد جهاده إلى يوم الدين وبعد سبحان الله الله سبحانه وتعالى says والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبلنا وإن الله لمع الصابرين and uh, in another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ حَتَّى نَعْلَمَ الْمُجَاهِدِينَ مِنْكُمْ وَالصَّابِرِينَ وَنَبْلُوَ أَخْبَارَكُمْ We're going to test you. We're surely going to test you. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the sabirin, knows the patient. And Allah will also test our innermost secrets and expose them. So uh, to answer your question, Dr. Salman, four months, uh, well, we're, we're nearing on four months now have passed uh, since the most significant uh, event Palestine has seen uh, arguably or in contemporary history since uh, the mass displacement and ethnic cleansing of Palestine in 1948. And uh, definitely the biggest uh, genocide the Gazans have ever experienced. Mm -hmm. But subhanAllah, alongside that, we've seen an enormous uh, reshaping of the world as the genocide has taken place. Uh, SubhanAllah, nothing is as it was before Gaza, before the mm. genocide uh, on Gaza. Uh, the reality of uh, Western secular uh, values has been exposed. The reality of the international judicial system has been exposed. Uh, I'd like to say the reality of the Zionists has been exposed, but that's only for those uh, less educated. Mm. Uh, we'd always say that uh, SubhanAllah, the amount of time we've left the occupation to brew means that any liberation uh, is inevitably going to cost a huge uh, amount of blood. And it's inevitably going to result in this sort of thing, because they've established themselves. They've had <clears throat> 75 plus years to establish themselves and to root themselves firmly uh, in the blessed land. So the first question of their authority was met with unhinged genocide. Now, the interesting mm. thing I, I found, subhanAllah, over the past uh, four months is that usually the West tried to embrace a, let's say, semi-sympathetic tongue. Because inevitably, or in the past, they knew that the outcome was more than likely going to be to the uh, favor, or let's say the military outcome, to the favor of the Zionists. Mm. But on this occasion, because their military authority was questioned, was shaken to the core, their political authority was shaken to the core, uh, questions about their viability as an entity were raised. Uh, everybody has really been exposed. You know, mm. the, the, uh, the truest uh, insides of people have been exposed. You know, this ayah, it, it almost takes a, uh, it orders uh, people into three categories, effectively. Al-Mujahideen, uh, those who struggle in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Al-Sabirin, those who are affected by the struggle. And we will <coughs> test your insights. And in this contains a uh, subtle threat uh, to those who harbor doubts. Uh, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those uh, whose alliances don't sit with the ummah uh, that their realities will be exposed through uh, huge ibtilaat, uh, trials mm. and tribulations as mm. we are currently seeing in Gaza. So it is unprecedented. People are stressed. Uh, it's difficult to enjoy a, mo a morsel of food, to be honest, uh, in the past three months or four months. Uh, it's been difficult to uh, uh, spend, let's say, uh, 
satisfying time with the family. I mean, I, I cringe at the idea of doing certain uh, entertainment type activities, uh, even with the family. Uh, yeah. This doesn't necessarily need to be the case. But subhanAllah, the, significant, the significance of what's happening in Gaza has overwhelmed us really to the core. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring the best out of it, inshallah. We are mm-hmm. still very optimistic. I remember uh, uh, Salman, I gave a khutbah <laughs> very early on in the, uh, uh, in the onslaught on Gaza. And, you know, you can see the despondency on people's faces, really gloomy in the uh, crowd. So I lost it a bit. I thought, what's wrong with you? Why is everybody so down? We need to see this as something positive. We need to, we, we need to embrace the positivity. We're going to liberate Al-Aqsa, this and the other. This, this feeling which we had at the beginning needs to remain. Mm. Uh, SubhanAllah. Uh, maybe we haven't experienced anything quite like this. Maybe we've, we're becoming desensitized to, to the scale of the atrocity. But at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, always encourages positivity in the Qur'an. Okay. Yeah, and the yeah. huzun is always disparaged. Sadness and despondency is always mm. disparaged in the Qur'an. لا تحزن إن الله معنا Yeah, I mean there have been so many kind of victories, not just in terms of on the military front that, uh, or in terms of resistance, but in terms of the narrative, in terms of, like you're saying, getting getting the world to recognize now what Palestinians have been dealing with for the last hundred years, you know. Um, so many people, kind of mainstreaming of the Palestinian cause now, not because the the mainstream media or the legacy media, some people call it now, that they've just become nice and, you know, become nice moral and ethical people, but because they've been forced, their hands have been forced because the people, the real actual people have become have made this issue so loud it's it's, it's impossible to ignore now yeah, and yeah. um that's absolutely the case dr Sir. i think i think uh, the viability uh, as we said uh, not just of the entity the zionist entity is being uh, held to question even the viability of mainstream media uh, uh, people are starting now to uh, do away with mainstream media this was never a question mm-hmm. in the past you know switching off the bbc switching off uh, live television, yeah. only following news on social media. Uh, the skepticism uh, has uh, of the narrative produced by by mainstream media is at an all-time high. And uh, now everything is being uh, questioned, all of the narratives, true and false. Yeah. And this is a very dangerous time for mainstream media. I think uh, they really need to revise their, uh, their strategies going forward and whether they're even viable as, uh, as outlets. I was Personally, actually quite surprised uh, that they, <coughs> you know, even so, because obviously we look at a mainstream media from the from the outside as one kind of entity. But you know, I've spoken to people, Muslims who work for, for example, BBC News, and they're describing how every day has been like a challenge for them, almost with tears in their eyes that they try to their best to edit a headline, make it more fair and just. And then you know the next day someone else has come and edit it, re-edit it back again. Or so mm. they're trying. They they're doing that struggle, and, and they can need to I think continue to do that struggle. And more and more people need to be in these influential positions where they're able to push, you know, um, a true narrative and able to challenge. Um, you know, I mean, it's like a like one brother I know. He he worked for um, I think the CPS right, the Crown Prosecution Service, and you know they. He was in in some meetings, quite happy. He was in some meetings where they're discussing whether to give parole or discussing certain, you know, uh, Muslim uh, prisoners or, or prisoners generally. And they they were like, look, this this certain Muslim prisoner. They found uh, this coded kind of um, a sheet with lots of numbers and and codes on it. And they're trying to decode it. And they're trying to think, you know, maybe he's up to something. And and uh, this brother looked at this and he looked at them and he just said, this is a Ramadan prayer timetable. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> but so he's obviously just bringing one kind of aspect, some knowledge about uh, uh, something into those rooms where, you know, decisions are made. I think more and more people are there and more and more just people, more and more people who are more informed about what's been happening, what's going mm-hmm. on to, the Palestinian, to our Palestinian brothers and sisters. The more there are in those kind of areas, I think the more likely it is to tip the scales and and to to I think the mainstream media can be or some some of the mainstream media outlets could be saved if there's mm-hmm. enough of a push 
from within to to Absolutely. reform and to make them more I mean some of them, some of them are like just you know owned by big billionaires and their personal train sets and stuff Toys, yeah, yeah, but, but some you, of them like BBC, you know, even maybe, those, maybe it can be saved. Uh, absolutely, you know, even those, subhanAllah, uh, uh, they're, they're being rocked at the core. Uh, and the reason for that, in my opinion, is, uh, is because of uh, the clarity of the situation, okay? Uh, typically, main, the job of mainstream media was to take news which requires analysis and to describe it to their audiences. But this news doesn't require analysis. When you see a child blown into a thousand pieces, you don't need to include a caption, okay? When you see uh, uh, villages and cities absolutely decimated to the ground, all it needs is a photograph. Mm. So this is what's coming out of Gaza. Let's, uh, let's remember that very few uh, mainstream uh, media cameras, so to speak, are operating in Gaza, besides Al Jazeera, Arabic and English, uh, and a few of the let's say CNN mm. uh, and, and some of the old ones that have a presence in Gaza, very few are operating on the ground. Uh, so, so the news is being driven by the uh, grassroots in Gaza. And all mm. they're doing is uh, posting images. Okay, Social they're posting media. images of the destruction, they're posting images of uh, children with their heads blown off. Uh, mm. and, and people are uh, making their own judgments. Uh, SubhanAllah, in, in an article which I think it was the only article uh, I published on Islam 21C. Uh, we spoke about five uh, pillars for tyranny. Okay. Mm. And they're all exemplified in the story of Fir'aun. Uh, one of these pillars uh, is the creators of content. And the, four, and the fifth would be the disseminators of content. Mm. The creators of content uh, would be represented by the sorcerers of the Fir'aun. Okay. Now, typically, uh, they'd, uh, they'd create what would seem like true, uh, a true event, but skew it slightly to confuse people. And then you had the disseminators of content are the organizers of the duel between the sorcerers and Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Now, what did Musa alayhi salatu wasalam do to defeat, the, uh, to defeat the sorcerers? He had a staff which turned into a genuine snake. So subhanAllah, you see how when the truth, a genuine snake, confronts a sihr, sorcery, it totally overwhelms it. So for us to overwhelm the deceptive media that's mm. coming out of pro-Zionist outlets, we don't need to do anything clever. Just expose the truth to them. And the truth is overwhelming, subhanAllah. All of these, I mean, you saw uh, recently and you commented uh, on what happened in Jenin. You know, when, when the uh, Israeli special forces, uh, so-called, uh, they entered into uh, Ibn Sina hospital, dressed as civilians. Uh, and one of them was staff. even holding medical staff. Uh, one of them was even crime. holding a... Uh, well, it, of, of course it's yeah. a war crime. Uh, he, he was holding a disabled chair, uh, subhanAllah. And one of them had a big beard. So I don't know if you saw that, that one. He, was, he was, had a big mm -hmm. thawb and a beard and so on and so forth. But take this further back, before we discuss the fact that it's a war crime to dress as a civilian, to assassinate people in a coma or on their, on their hospital beds. Jinin, where does Jinin sit? In the heart of the West Bank. What are Israeli soldiers doing in the West Bank? The whole narrative of we are there to assassinate terrorists. Take it back further. How can you invade another's land and classify its individuals as terrorists? And on top of that, dress the civilians and execute them on their hospital yeah. beds. So it's really taking, and I think, I think one of the main pieces of advice I have for our audience here is don't allow these, uh, the, uh, the extended period of this conflict uh, remove you from the basic arguments. Yeah. Always take it back to the basic arguments, okay? Mm. Uh, because many a time the Zionists... Uh, they try to develop very complex arguments yeah. to distract us from the core of what they're doing. The core basic argument, it's a fight for truth and justice. A million people were displaced in 1948, and now they are committing genocide against women and children in Gaza. It's as simple as that. You know, don't get bogged down with terrorism and, uh, and the laws here and there and international uh, court cases and just... Always return it to the basics. 
and mm. and I think I think personally this is the most effective strategy when it comes to uh, disseminating media and undoing the sorcery which is being produced by pro-Zionists. You know, in t I used to tell people that if you see some nonsense online, don't give it the time of day, don't kind of pay attention to it because it's not, that's how they, these these social media kind of networks are set up. They they'll, they'll dangle something um, absurd in front of you. You get angry, you look at it, but then it goes viral, and then show it to more people. Um, but now, when you actually look at something, I, I noticed the, the the propagandists for the Zionist entity, they when they post something absurd now, underneath them is like hundreds of people just refuting them and, and fact checking. And I don't know if they. Yeah. They're displaying to me in that order because obviously it knows my positions anyway and knows what, what it'll take to get mm -hmm. me glued to the to the phone for a few extra minutes. But, you know, regardless, there, there exist so many people and they're showing me fact-checking and even on like Twitter and, or X now, it's just, you know, it gives it gives a kind of community notes or whatever for, um, and, and just people taking the, the, the mick out of these people that were taken seriously yesterday but now because of this, I think something we have to, you know, another thing we have to celebrate because, like you said, <laughs> them just posting something backfires every time they, they, they do, every time they try to spread some kind of mm -hmm. falsehood and uh, some kind of false narrative or misframing framing of something. Um, there's hundreds of people and uh, um, kind of... Uh, uh, correcting the narrative, refuting them, and they, the people that are, you know, <laughs> retweeting and liking mm -hmm. those posts are more sometimes than, than yeah. the uh, the original posts. They get quote unquote ratioed. Uh, absolutely, and it, m many a time, even if they speak half truths, people are doubting their accounts altogether uh, because they've lost their credibility. They've yeah. lied so much that even in a moment of desperation, if they were to speak half the truth nobody's gonna believe them and this the boy who and this wolf. i think like the boy who cried wolf Ab mm. absolutely i mean today i had a bit of back and forth with somebody on social media okay clearly they're not a they're not an israeli it seems that they're a brit okay and in the end it boiled down to a simple question is the west bank illegally occupied or not and they struggled to answer this question mm. so what i realized is that it's not People aren't debating truths and falsehoods, okay? Some people have a uh, concerted intention to support Zionists regardless, and they're willing to do away with international law altogether for the sake of that objective. And other people are true to both international law and true, and true to the truth of the situation. Mm -hmm. So subhanAllah, and, this, and we, saw, we saw this very starkly, Dr. Salman, in the ICJ case. I mean, for yeah. starters, we knew Israel's position, okay? They said, regardless of the outcome, now listen carefully to these words, and these were the words of uh, Netanyahu. He said, regardless of the outcome of the ICJ, which is one of the, uh, uh, which is a court with the highest uh, jurisdiction on earth, practically, we're going to reject the outcome. Mm. But, but, what, but you've put up a case, you've put up a case defending yourself, and we thought you were, Genuine, let's so, so to speak, let's, uh, let's play devil's advocate. We thought you were genuine in uh, wanting to defend your position. So when you say to somebody, regardless of the outcome, we're going to reject it, what does that mean? Even if you win, we're going to reject uh, the outcome of being able to defend Israel? No, they're saying that the truth of the situation is as clear as the day. We are committing genocide. Mm -hmm. And thus, because the truth will inevitably prevail, uh, not just uh, by the consensus of the judges, but also by the consensus of humanity, we reject the outcome. Okay, we reject uh, uh, the outcome. Uh, yani we, we, we reject what is apparent, or people are seeing uh, starkly with their eyes. Mm. Uh, and subhanAllah, and, and this, uh, you know, what happened with the ICJ um, uh, really emphasizes the fact that there cannot be uh, uh, justice without uh, a recourse to truth and there cannot be neither justice or truth without uh, without mm. a uh, recourse mm. to some sort of executive authority that can enact that justice on the on the conflicting party okay and that's yeah. why states are founded upon three principles they're founded upon truth 
usually exemplified in the government, okay, uh, to its best effort. And obviously, if it's an Islamic government, then it sources its legislation from the truth. Then you have a, le a legislator uh, which, uh, 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 which intervenes when people have differences uh, and so on to apply the truth produced or, uh, let's say, codified by the government. Then you have an executive authority, which is the police. So if people fall short of justice or if they refuse to uh, surrender to justice, you have an executive authority to force justice upon them, either through the police <clears throat> or if it's externally uh, through an army, through a foreign army. Mm. Uh, what we see uh, whenever there's an abortion of justice, okay, uh, it's usually uh, down to the, uh, to the fact that one of these three elements isn't existing. So when it comes to the ICJ, uh, you can argue that international law in some respects is right, in some respects is questionable. But even if we were to say that, yes, all of international law needs to be uh, applied, and uh, although some elements can be refined, you have no executive authority. It's not like, yeah. like the ICC. And that's also ironic that, the, that Israel are not, are not signatories to the ICC because yeah. they don't want justice enforced upon them. Now, if you yeah. were true to the fact that uh, that you are right and you're justified in your cause, you're justified in your genocide, you're justified in your occupation. Why don't you sign up to the ICC? To I mean, they have, own, they have their own kind of, um, you know, uh, straw house that they've built, with, uh, with, you know, on, on so many false premises and so forth to, to justify to themselves and their, and their you know, um, supporters and so forth. But in terms of, like, so look at the ICJ, for example, one of the things that um, needs to be done is obviously building momentum and 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 um, you know in the absence of some kind of um, teeth we need more and more campaigns to kind of feed off each other and one of the things I think um, Norman Finkelstein said was in terms of okay so there's been a few really big wins in on, on in, in terms of international law for the Palestinian cause over the decades, right? One of them is like you're saying, like you mentioned, the declaration that the West Bank is illegally occupied, the wall is illegal, a uh, few things here and there. And but but he also said it just kind of went in the draw afterwards, and the Palestinians need to, didn't do it much with that. There needs to be something, you know, campaigns built uh, using this. And part of the reason was he said that the Palestinian Authority kind of colluded with. The Zionists, in order to kind of just, you know, um, neutralize any potential resistance, any potential, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, activities thereafter. But in terms of the ICJ ruling now, you have um, Israel officially on trial for genocide. You have um, the ICJ that's, that's given some demands to them, and they have to, you know, um, because they're signatories, they have to, uh, you know, respond. Whether they will or not, it's another another thing. So it wasn't just like a, a recommendation. What do you think the Palestinians themselves? Okay, what has from from your perspective? You're obviously you're in tune with family members, friends, people in in the language, people in uh, the the diaspora. What is the <clears throat> plan now amongst Palestinians and and their supporters that you've 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 come across that they're gonna do now with the with the the fact that uh, Israel is in in, in court at the Hague for genocide. Yeah, okay, so, so if we can summarize the case, Dr. Salman, mm. uh, I think the conclusion was more like there's a plausible case for genocide brought against uh, yeah. the, the Israel, the Zionist entity. Uh, now, that's plausibility. The final ruling will probably come out in a few years. Yeah. Potentially when certain years, things have yeah, died down. It would, it, would, it would take years. Our homework, I think, is to keep a track record of all of those who are now culpable in supporting this genocide. Whether yeah, it's your own yeah. government, your own councils, uh, whether it's an international government, whether it's a company. Companies, okay, yeah. and, and, uh, and to make sure that in future, uh, you bring these companies to account through recourse to the outcome of this ruling. Okay, mm -hmm. this is significant, okay? Now, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a traditional Palestinian, my Dr. Salman, and I have no belief in, uh, or I've, I had no belief and no, uh, let's say, confidence in these systems. And I don't, I, I still don't. Okay, these, mm -hmm. uh, these institutions have always been rigged to the favor of the US uh, because it usually is the primary funder or the one who has the primary uh, interest in these institutions or 
the the global superpower that As has we've massive seen, we know swaying uh, authority funding from uh, from from the, Anua. Anua. Anua, let's yeah. let's let's come to that that's quite a significant yeah. development as well uh, but in this case uh, I, I think people were rightly to say that it's the ICJ that was put on trial not Israel okay yeah. because they were they were trapped between a rock and a hard place and this and this returns to our first discussion you're in, you you're facing the clearest uh, uh, depiction of genocide we've ever seen being live streamed to every person's phone on earth and the ICJ uh, professes to be this international uh, judicial fair authority that intervenes when these things happen you know it's designed mm -hmm. to intervene when there is genocide and the whole world has testified to the fact this is genocide and this is significant fair minds who have no bias or vested interest have said this is a clear version or the clear depiction of genocide so if they were to rule against uh, the, the the south african case brought against israel then that would officially be the collapse of what of, of of the western claim to human rights that would be the end I mean, of some the people world. have said that it's already that that's already dead it's yeah, some people you yeah. know would say that they, I, the I, Western I powers have already given three talaq to international law. And <laughs> well, well, this is the thing. This this is the interesting thing. I mean, if the ICJ has managed to mm. save itself from such a collapse, then definitely the fact Western governments don't want to accept the outcome uh, uh, just uh, you know hammers that last nail in the coffin to ensure that yeah. collapse takes place, and it has taken place. You have. You have the most powerful country in Europe, which is Germany or, or the, the economic powerhouse of Europe, supporting Israel's case against genocide. Mm. You have the USA effectively rejecting the outcome, as is uh, the United Kingdom so uh, and, and France. And the axis of Western power have all rejected the outcome. Yeah. Uh, and then and, and the funny thing is, is that uh, they always uh, will, will throw the accusation upon the uh, Muslim of uh, of rejecting international law and recourse to law and recourse to international customs rule of law. the rule of law uh you know isn't it one of the five uh, british uh, principles to, <laughs> british, to make your british values yeah following the rule of law yeah. okay so does that mean the muslim has become more british uh, than the than members of the aristocrat who support israel yeah that is the case yeah. we we believe in the rule of law and actually islam recognizes uh, 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 certain international laws and customs, even if, even if on certain occasions they may go against a, a specific, let's say, Islamic injunction, which isn't an obligation, uh, Islam recognizes the uh, the collective authority of the people. Yeah. Okay, and if this is a tool to bring Israel to partial account, we must utilize it. Now, uh, now we we have a case. We have a case currently with the ICJ that we can use whenever we campaign our MPs, whenever we write to government, whenever we uh, engage in boycotting, always recourse and return mm. to, the, uh, to the outcome of the ICJ. I know, I know uh, like, like I said, we don't have much confidence in this institution, but on this occasion, it seems to have ruled uh, the right thing. Yeah. And this is what uh, usually convinces uh, these governments who claim to be signatories, if for nothing else but to bring out their inconsistencies. I mean, that's be... one of the things we actually we can thank uh, Israel for, right? It's helping us clean up our domestic and international political ruling classes, or, or expose them rather, because yeah, the average yeah. Joe in the street, they're not you know pro genocide. The average Joe in the street, they have you know some uh, level of empathy and some level of you know, uh, noble values just as a human being. Absolutely. And, and it's, uh, they're kind of helping. Like we, we mentioned in a video the other day that, uh, you know, five things to thank Netanyahu for, but tongue in cheek. Mm, Obviously, the, it's, it's the, the brothers and sisters in Gaza that, that are, are, are the ones, you know, to thank after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But uh, it's like Netanyahu, and because in, in, their, in their, you know, blind rage, they're just mm. doing so many wins for us, giving us so many wins in that we're exposing certain politicians that have been, you know, um, doing their bidding so that in the next election, now the Muslim vote campaign, we can, we're going to, you know, find and punish those 
you know, um, candidates uh, in the next election by not, you know, voting for them yes. and, and yes. so forth. Ev yes. So forth. Ev and on everything has backfired, Dr. Silman. Everything yeah. has backfired uh, on, on, on every front, on the political front, on the economic front, on the military front, on the media front, on the advocacy front. Everything has backfired against Israel. The, the, the interesting thing about a genocide case is that you need to prove intent. Okay. Yeah. That's very difficult. And it would have been very easy for Netanyahu and his cronies to say, you know, behind closed doors to say, guys, we're going to kill everything in existence in Gaza. Okay, we're going to kill all the women and children and blow their but heads don't off. Tell but don't public. say anything. <laughs> don't say anything. But as you said, blind rage. Because they have gone away for tens of years, for decades, with no accountability. They felt that on this occasion, nobody's going to say anything. Nothing will have changed. Well, they, they, they work on precedent. They say, we've mm -hmm. been above the law for our whole existence, our whole short existence. Why should this be any different? And it reminds us of, uh, again, the story of Musa, alayhi salatu like salam, and yeah. all of, subhanAllah, Fir'aun, when he saw the sea split, he could have sat back and said, is it a good idea that I cross the sea? You know, can, shall I just stay on my side and salvage myself and my army? Subhanallah, blind as you as you put it exactly, mm. blind rage, and Allah says says to because Musa alayhi salam when he crossed the sea, and he saw the army of Fir'aun chasing them, he was eager to hit the sea again so that it collapses on Fir'aun and his army. But not all of his army had entered into the sea yet. So Allah subhanahu mm. wa taala says, "Watruk al-bahra rahwan, innahum jundun mughraqun." Leave the sea. I'll deal with it. They're going to be drowned altogether. So Allah subhanahu wa taala. Uh, uh, waited, anticipated such that the whole of Fir'aun's army would enter the sea before it collapsed onto them. And this, this is literally what's happening to uh, Netanyahu and his, and his cronies. And for us, it's the same advice. It's one of the wisdoms of Allah delaying victory. Exactly. Exactly. When Allah wishes to destroy a nation, or when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to destroy a people, that He will command them that they cause incredible corruption on the earth to justify such an outcome. And this is what we are seeing with, uh, with Netanyahu. Yes, the other we day there was a, a, a lecture published online by the, mm -hmm. one of the, my favorite authors in the world, uh, Chris Hedges. Yeah, mm -hmm. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he's a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. He, he was uh, in Gaza for yeah, years, reporting them from there. And he, he insisted that his lecture be entitled The Death of Israel. <laughs> you know? You know? So, uh, Subhanallah, yeah, just to, to clarify this point, Dr. Salman, I mean, uh, there, you know, there's, there's a huge amount of fear amongst let's say Israelis or Jews around the world, or so on and so forth, when we use such language, okay? But don't read us through the genocidal intent of your government. We're not the same. When we speak of the death of Israel, the destruction of Zionism, when we speak about the liberation of Palestine from the X to the Y, okay? We're not, say, we're not speaking of extermination. Our religion does not permit that. We're not speaking of injustice. Our religion forbids injustice. Islam there's is no, the religion no of justice. There's no story of Amalek in the Quran. <laughs> there's, there's no story of Amalek, okay? There's yeah. no story of uh, genocide and exterminating women and children in the Quran at all. There's only the story of justice. People have inserted into scriptures lying against Allah, you know, that He would command. Absolutely. Yeah, um, read, read the Muslim through the example of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi. You know, this is probably the last uh, living example of a uh, Palestinian liberation, let's say, the liberation of Baytul Maqdis. Uh, nearly nearly 100,000 Muslims were uh, butchered on the Temple Mount, on, uh, on, on, uh, on the square of Masjid al-Aqsa. 100,000 Muslims who were seeking sanctuary by the Crusaders. And when Salahuddin al-Ayyubi entered into Baytul Maqdis, he decided to, uh, 
allow the people to leave safely, with safe passage. And anybody who couldn't leave would be funded by Salah and his army to leave to a safe passage. There was no, uh, there was no sort of uh, genocidal retribution. There was no destruction of the people. This isn't the way that we are, subhanAllah. We are the Ummah. Wallahi, okay. That the, that the normal Israeli citizen would rather a Muslim government enacting justice in Tel Aviv than Netanyahu and his cronies. They would rather that. Because only a Muslim government recognizes the Kitabi, the follower of the book, whether he be Jew or Christian. Only the Muslim government has the tools and the capabilities to mm. assimilate the Kitabi, whether he be Jew or Christian. When we say Jew, uh, Dr. Salman, we're not just referring to the followers of the Torah. You can also refer to people like me. I, I, I am from Judah. Okay. Uh, I, I wanted to say a word on this, actually, because uh, the, 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 the claim to anti-Semitism and anti-Jewishness has been revived uh, over the past uh, three months, in a way, four months, mm. in a way we've never seen before. Tayyip, let's, let's, let's just uh, emphasize the fact that a Muslim, okay, a Muslim is not against, cannot be. It's impossible for a Muslim to be against a race of people. That goes against everything Islam stands for. So if by Jew you are referring to a specific race of people, then you'd be accusing Islam of racism. And Islam, one of the last ayat, or in fact, uh, one of the first ayat, it's actually a Meccan ayat, to be revealed upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's, Ya ayyuha nasu, inna khalaqnaakum min dhakarin wa unfa wa ja'alnaakum shu'udan wa qada'ila lita'arafu. Oh mankind, we've created you from male and female and we've made you into nations and tribes so that you may know one another. The best of you in the sight of Allah are those with the most God consciousness. So a Muslim, let's rule this out, cannot be against any race of people. It's all about the action and the heart. Secondly, if by followers of Judaism or Jew, you mean those who uh, follow the uh, Noahidic law or the Torah or the Talmud, then we as Muslims, we recognize that the Torah was revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So by, by that definition, Salman, even you're a Jew. And the third definition of being a Jew is to have an inclination. It's actually an ethno-cultic definition. It's to have an inclination to return to the land of Judah. And that would mean every Muslim on the face of the earth. I think they'll give us passports then. A Jew. To what? To the Jewish state. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, I mean, this is a technical point, but by every definition, the yeah. Palestinian, and people get bogged down with these terms, and by every definition, the Palestinian is a, uh, is a, is, is a member of the land of Judah, the land of their ancestors, and, and they believe in the Torah, and they have uh, Israelite ancestry. The Zionist state isn't has very little to do with actual Judaism and and um, people who are historically uh, from that region. It's more about uh, absolutely exactly. European I mean, the... settler colonial ideology. Well, well, That's this why is... uh, you know a white bloke who's never uh -huh. you know whose whose DNA traces him back to Eastern Europe or Poland or Germany or Russia or whatever. Like Netanyahu. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Milichovsky. Uh, yeah. who's, uh, whose, whose father ha has a thesis uh, speaking of the Jewish golden age in Andalusia, yeah. Spain, you know, and, yeah. and how and how the Jews were, were treated with utmost respect. But uh, but you're absolutely right, uh, Salman, the father of the father of contemporary Zionism is a man by the name of David Ben-Gurion, which is also mm. a borrowed uh, Judaized name. Uh, and he was an atheist. He was an atheist. Mm. Actually, he would boast about the fact he never visited a synagogue in his life. Mm. And he would make fun of Jews. And he ate pork. Okay, and all of this is, uh, can be, can be uh, yeah. read in his diaries. Even Herzl, <laughs> even the father of, uh, sorry, uh, Ben-Gurion was the father of the, of the Jewish or the Israeli state. Fyodor Herzl was the father of Zionism. They call him the father of Zionism. They actually call him the second mm. Moses. They yeah. referred to him as the second Moses. Uh, he was not a religious Jew. He was a secular Jew. 
his children were all baptized into Christianity. Mm. And he refused to circumcise any of his children. He was a uh, Europhile. Yeah, he was uh, he was a Europhile. He wanted to uh, create, uh, let's say, a manifestation of Europe in the mm. uh, so-called promised land. But he had nothing to do with religion. And the vast majority of Israeli society is not religious, despite so, more than that number believing yeah. that God promised them the land. They're not religious. Yeah. Okay, the, the, the religious you, ones are the Muslims, so the Palestinians. The, 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 yeah, I've heard that people now, or in, influential people now from um, in in capitals around the Muslim world, are rethinking now some you know big omatic things, right? Like the failure of Sykes Pico, rethinking Sykes Pico, or the Balfour Declaration. I just remember, like Balfour was, I think. Um, a foreign secretary or something, right? Mm -hmm. In mm -hmm. London, Balfour Declaration, 1917, kind of laid the foundations for the, you know, European colonization of uh, of of Palestine under the name of 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 of, of Zion, uh, the Zionist ideology. Uh, I'm I'm wondering if uh, what your reaction has been to the Cameron found uh, Cameron uh, Declaration. Okay, so let's see uh, another, you know, there's a symbolic kind of uh, significance to it. Um, David Cameron, sec Foreign Secretary now, um, declaring now that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're pro, kind of, they're, they're, the government is for uh, a Palestinian state mm -hmm. uh, to be established. And the key thing here is without the kind of the blessing of, of uh, the Zionist state. Yeah, um, a, a, a unilateral type of uh, yeah. declaration. Uh, um, to, I'm wondering uh, what your views are on that, in mm. the symbolism, even kind of of you know, it was a, a British foreign secretary that started all this mess, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, from from one angle. Do you think now? Well, what, what's your views now? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I've heard it being called by some Palestinians as, or, or uh, called uh, you know the the the, the Cameronian definite <laughs> declaration too. Yeah, the, you the know. Cameronian. <laughs> Uh, he's always, uh, I mean, David Cameron is an interesting figure. On the one hand, he's he's a uh, diehard uh, Zionist. Uh, but on the other hand, he's got certain rare statements against uh, the illegal uh, annexation of the West Bank and the establishment of the state. I, I'd say that he's an old politician. So he inherits certain old ideas. Uh, and uh, many years ago, it wasn't classy to go against international law. So he brings some of those old ideas into contemporary politics, unlike uh, Starmer and uh, and others who've totally done away with all of these silly concepts, uh, such as international law and uh, mm -hmm. the rule of law. And so he brings a lot of this from the past. Now, in terms of the uh, in terms of what he said, uh, I think it just needs to be understood that it's they, they, uh, the British government have laid out. I don't think it's public, or maybe it is. I haven't seen it. A five point plan about the establishment of a Palestinian state. Uh, and part of this plan involves the deportation of uh, many of the leaders of the resistance, okay, whether they be from Hamas or from Al-Jihad or from other factions. Uh, so yes, the language has changed, or maybe rather than changed, uh, it's been uh, rejuvenated because this was the language of the past. Uh, but it remains to be on the terms of Britain. Okay, so if the Palestinians want to elect their own government, uh, that, that, that probably wouldn't apply. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, many of the provisions of this Palestinian state simply cannot apply, because if the Israelis don't accept it, then the reality remains that 76% of the West Bank is still under Israeli occupation, and much of the rest is uninhabitable because it's, it's, it acts as a buffer zone for uh, illegal settlements. So when Cameron speaks about the settlers in the West Bank, he's not speaking about the established settlers. He's speaking mm. about the expansion of settlements. So any Palestinian, any uh, Palestinian state by his imagination uh, would exist in 10 to 15% of the West Bank and in whatever remains of Gaza after the end of this war, okay? Whether it's a step in the right direction, I think it's a step backwards into the past, uh, uh, into, into what, was, what is deemed or what is dubbed the peace process, 
which we have seen nothing of. And anything that comes out of Britain, in terms of establishing a Palestinian state or any rhetoric to that effect, isn't something I particularly trust. But there is one dimension, okay, there is one dimension that may, may that may let's say, add a bit more, uh, um, let's say, genuineness to Cameron's declaration. And that is the failure of the Zionist army in Gaza, okay? And the fact that the West, politically speaking, reputationally speaking, legally speaking, militarily speaking, economically speaking, aren't able to carry on bailing out the Zionist entity forever, okay? Uh, so they've realized, they've realized, and today, uh, today a huge uh, Israeli unit withdrew from Khan Yunus. They've realized that the Battle of Gaza is not one that they're going to win. In fact, they're going to lose. Now, if they lose in Gaza, what's the next, what's the next uh, uh, stage? You've got two options, really. You've got the option of the, in, the intervention of international forces militarily to, to salvage the Zionist army or the Zionist entity. And you've got the second option, which is even less viable, which is that the Zionist army carries on trying. And that's not going to happen. The only other option, which is the third option, is to recognize that Gaza uh, belongs decidedly to the Palestinian people, as does the West Bank, okay? Before we speak of ancient Palestine, many people don't like that conversation. I'm mm. not against a two-state solution, uh, Dr. Saman, okay? But uh, I, I see it, I, I see the ultimate aim in Palestine should be justice. And all of the rights need to be returned to their people. Millions of Palestinians hail from within ancient Palestine. So ultimately, they need to return to their ancestral homelands. Yes, within Tel Aviv, within Lod, and be treated as equal citizens under a representative just government mm. this is ultimately what we seek we're this seeking something that the, the zionists are going to let happen without a fight right because they would just become a minority then well you have you have uh you have an objective that would that would be the final objective the, the europeans okay. would become a minority but you have a strategy the, the europeans would become well th does that really matter i mean i mean if if if, if you it live does in if the you're an ethno-nationalist state <laughs> <laughs> built on the a premise that this is a state for you know european uh, people who identify as jews so european jews yes yeah, so, so 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 long as israel is, is acting as a uh, western colonial military outpost it's not going to happen of course it's not going to happen what we what we're saying is that uh, people ask the palestinians for instance what's your ultimate objective okay the, it's simple okay it's not extermination it's not a genocide it's not a mass expulsion it's none of that it's that the Palestinians want to go home. Exactly. The Palestinians who are displaced from their homelands be returned to their homelands and be treated with, uh, mm. with respect and dignity. Uh, and that the West Bank uh, maintains sovereignty for the Palestinian people as does Gaza. So that's, I mean, that's, that's ultimately yeah. the objective. If there's a strategy towards that objective, such as a two-state solution or whatever, then uh, I don't see any Palestinian as as fundamentalist as they're accused to be, uh, rejecting such a strategy. Yeah. But yeah. what? But it's not going to be on the terms of the enemy. And and, and I, I I find it extremely ironic that, you know, people are up in arms when 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 Netanyahu says I don't want a two state solution. Yani, what what did you expect? I mean, there's a there's a You're there's not a, to a say distinguished the part loud. That's the whole. That's the point. I mean, you you can't expect your enemy to offer you your rights. Mm. You know, that's the whole point of resistance, isn't it? There's a there's a distinguished jurist by the name of Hirsch Lotter Pact. He's actually a Jewish uh, jurist, internationally renowned, and he says that resistance, self determination, as it's called in international law, is the most supreme human right. What does he say? Very interestingly, okay, he says. Because without the right to resistance, the mm. concept of human rights cannot exist. Because otherwise they would be called privileges, not rights. Things you're given, not things you take. Mm. So unfortunately, or fortunately, the, uh, a Palestinian state will be taken, not given. 
and it will be taken on the terms of the of the Muslims, of the Palestinians, of the world. Yeah. Anybody who wishes to assist them, it's not going to be donated on the terms of the progeny of Mr. Bafa, who, by the way, was an anti-Semite. Just so, to add that one in. Yeah. Give us, give our audience, please, uh, just a, a summary now in the last four months of, from your perspective, where the state of the resistance is at, where the the, the successes have been, where what, because we're not going to a lot. Most of us aren't going to be privy to what's happening in what's being reported in Arabic language on the ground and so mm -hmm. forth. What what are some of the things that maybe you see that that are reported? Um, you know, numbers are reported. This many um, uh, skirmishes and this many. This was the 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 the, the cost and the the damage uh, kind of. Um, uh, to the, the Israeli entity What are the real numbers, what are the real figures What's the state on the ground now In terms of the, the, yeah. the current state of the resistance the, You mean the, the losses the of defense the occupation of Gaza. forces the, Losses the, of the occupation forces The, the state of you know, mm -hmm. Gaza Is it able to defend Are they able to defend themselves still Or what, what's going okay. on uh, What I'd say Lord Salman Is that uh, Gaza is beyond uh, Describable both from the perspective of the scale of destruction and killing and death uh, by Israel, but also of the scale of resistance. It's, in, it's mm. indescribable. Even if, even if we try to compare it to, let's say, somewhere like Leningrad, it's not possible because uh, Leningrad would receive military assistance uh, uh, regularly and it has enormous borders and it has a state to back it, to back it up. You, know, you, can, you can compare it to Mariupol, you can compare it to whatever example in the past uh, in the Second World War against the Nazis, and that comparison will fail. I, I cannot describe how uh, an enclave that's less than 10 kilometers wide has been able to put up a resistance for three months against the fourth most technologically advanced uh, militia on earth, and an army that has some 600,000 soldiers between reservists and full-time uh, combatants. I, I, well, I can't heard. explain how, how they've managed to uh, draw the attention of the whole world, and uh, air, including aircraft carriers from the superpowers of the world, and they're still picking up a fight. And every day, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're inflicting on the Israeli army enormous losses. If you want numbers, Dr. Salman, uh, the numbers we've seen, okay, the Israeli army have admitted to uh, something short of 600 uh, uh, soldiers killed by, by the resistance, but many many analysts, including Faiz Adwari, who comes regularly on the Jazeera, says any number produced by the IDF needs to be multiplied by 10. <laughs> and many of the, uh, much of the resistance has been documented. Mm. If you're just to take the, the videos uh, coming out since the uh, Israeli uh, ground offensive from Gaza, you can probably count more than 500. Okay, if, mm. if you're to multiply uh, the number of tanks by the number of passengers inside that tank, the, they claim, they claim, according to Al Jazeera, that uh, some 1,000 military vehicles have been disabled or yeah, completely destroyed. That, yeah. What's okay. this about ghosts? Uh, that's not a number that the IDF can deal with. Okay. Mm. Uh, I heard they have ghosts. They're fighting ghosts. I mean, there's ghosts. I mean, there are no ghosts. Is it? They said that, by the way, in 2014. They're saying, they're saying uh, the Israelis saying we're there. fighting ghosts. We don't know where these, where the attacks uh, are coming from. I mean, the, 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 there are two ways to, well, maybe three ways to describe that, okay. Uh, there's, the, uh, there's the spiritual def, uh, way to describe it, to say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is assisting the people of Gaza to defend mm. themselves. There's no doubt about that. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But um, the, the, the second way is that there are tunnels in Gaza, and, and the are? resistance doesn't exist above ground. It exists tunnels, underneath. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just a few. Yeah. yeah. And the third explanation uh, is that the the Israelis, in order to desensitize themselves to uh, the killing of women and children and, and the indiscriminate bombing, they're probably given drugs and uh, amphetamines and all sorts of hallucinogens yeah. uh, to uh, le lessen the traumatic effects of their devastation. Um, and uh, and obviously that makes them that makes them start to see ghosts. So I, I, mm. I imagine that's one of the explanations there as well. So, and this is true, by the way. I mean, there's brother Muhammad Ali, on, uh, who has the Muslim lantern. He's got a beautiful interview with an ex-Israeli soldier who uh, declares his shahada live on, live on stream. 
because of the because he's been so badly traumatized by by what he's done to the innocents in Gaza, and he references 2014 uh, or, or 2021, I can't remember, but not this current war. He says they they entered the homes of innocent women and children, and uh, and and they would arrest them and they would allow their dogs loose on them, and he says and they'd be crying in the middle of the night and we'd just be laughing, and we'd take drugs and he he showed he he mentioned a few of them, uh, we'd take drugs to try and desensitize ourselves to the to the impacts these things were having on us, They're human beings in the end. Okay, now when it comes to casualties, if we're to include those uh, affected by psychological trauma. The number that Israeli sources have produced is twenty thousand. Yes. Do you think Israeli society can cope with this, this type of loss? Because they're they're not just like normal soldiers; they're reservists. They're just people and conscripts and people that are normal. You know, uh, they're not kind of um, mm. trained up from a young age to be, to be, uh, you know, soldiers or anything. They're just maybe like kids on their gap year. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Normal, yeah. Normal, as normal as you can get. Uh, but that, that uh, applies to reservists. Uh, that applies to reservists. That definitely yeah. applies to reservists. I, I think there's a large contingent amongst the Israeli military of, let's say, full-time soldiers who don't really okay. have, let's say, family or friends. So they go, they they go without uh, without being counted among the numbers. Okay. Yeah. But when you have reservists being killed, who, who usually serve in uh, professional fields or maimed then the impact on Israeli society tends to be significant. And that, that's why when um, uh, about a week ago, when, when there was a huge uh, um, explosion inside Gaza by the... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. By, yeah, that took out 26 members of a detonation squad. The reason it has such reverberating impact on Israeli society is because they were reservists and they all served mm. in professional fields. So, uh, so that news reverberated into Israeli society and it has a massive... Uh, psychological impact and I think ultimately this is what's going to uh, pressure Netanyahu to stop the war. Let's remember as you said in your video very very pertinently Dr. Salman that this is a war of personal savagery and interest on behalf of Netanyahu. This is his personal mm. war. He, the, the day he stops is the day two things happen. Is the day the Israeli government collapses and the day he gets arrested and tried for fraud and embezzlement and potentially war crimes. Probably more now. Well, probably more, although I don't think uh, Israeli society would care unless yeah. he, um, he runs away to some part, part of the earth. But anyway, uh, if the government collapses, uh, there are serious questions about Israel's ability to forge a new government. Okay. And it could be it could be, and we mentioned this at the start of the war, and I stand by this, it could be that the only thing that keeps the entity, the Zionist entity together for a few more years is the army. Now, now the army is being compromised and its strength is being withered away. So, uh, but it could be that the army would be the only entity cap capable of keeping the government together. Allah is waiting for them to all go into the, <laughs> into the, yeah. the, the, the sea before drowning them yes yes subhanallah to, to, to and this is the example of Musa Islam story exactly exactly subhanallah which which would uh, subhanallah in terms of a um, one brother mentioned it on uh, on Twitter or on X I really agree with him he said one of one of the main action points going forward for our brothers and sisters one of the main action points is to learn the Arabic language and I say this mm. with all seriousness. Now, obviously, this has always been an action point to learn your deen, your religion. But, uh, uh, you know, receiving news in Arabic is entirely different to relying on English sources to interpret what's happening in Gaza. Mm -hmm. This is only going to increase in the future when more significant events happen. Okay. The, the narrative of Al Jazeera and other Arabic outlets is entirely different to what you're seeing on English yeah, yeah. Uh, news outlets, and it, and it equips you with a lot of information to be able to refute uh, the, the lies. So homework for all brothers and sisters is to learn the Arabic language. Okay, we need to be in a position where we can disconnect from English media sources insofar as uh, uh, our emotional attachment is concerned. Okay, I don't mean mm. disconnect completely in terms of refutation and being able to answer some of the allegations coming out. 
but we need to be in a position where we have no emotional attachment to outlets that speak in other than the Arabic language, especially when it comes to the Palestinian issue. Yeah. Okay, there's a whole world out there that many of our non-Arabic speaking brothers and sisters haven't yet tapped into when it comes to the facts in what's happening in Palestine. Learn the Arabic language. Conversational Arabic yeah. is sufficient, inshallah. What, what what else would you say in terms of practical points now for brothers and sisters going forward? So number one, learn Arabic uh, or improve your Arabic so, so you can so we access said, the, the news directly yeah, from the sources. Yeah. We, we we mentioned we mentioned the uh, the, the utilization of of the ICJ ruling, okay, yeah. in uh, in the political sphere, okay, uh, and tagged with this is anybody with a legal background, or even if you don't have one, is to educate people on what can be achieved uh, on the back of this ICJ ruling in terms yeah. of practical action, bringing our politicians mm -hmm. and our companies and our leaders to account. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's on the political front. Uh, there's also the uh, the economic front, okay. And this isn't just giving donations, despite the fact that oh, that around 200 masajid, for instance, in Gaza have been demolished. 70% of this infrastructure has been demolished. Yes, mm. there is there is an obligation and duty upon us to rebuild Gaza in a better way than it was before. That's that's upon us, okay. The Anwar used to receive from all of the nations that have retracted from funding it, the United Nations uh, uh, Reliefs and Works Agency used to receive around six to seven hundred million dollars uh, a year in funding. About five hundred million comes from the US alone. Okay. We are an ummah of 1.5 billion. If you pledged five dollars, not to Anwar necessarily, but to any aid agency mm. yearly, Okay, you will multiply the amount of aid going into Gaza over over that which used to go to Anwar. Five dollars, you can give it right now to Gaza. Yeah. But even better than that, even better than that is we will have decentralized the mm. funding going to Gaza such that Anwar, even as an agency, can't dictate any of its terms upon the Gazan people when distributing aid. Okay, Anwar is a great organization, but there are many flaws with it especially with this educational system, the way it distributes aid uh, in the salaries of many of its employees. But because it's an internationally supported or was an internationally supported organization, it had a significant impact. What I'm saying here is that we have an opportunity. Uh, yeah. uh, as I mentioned before, everything is backfiring. We now have an opportunity to truly replace ANOA with, a, with, with, with independent aid organizations that receive multiples the amounts no that Anuwa used to receive, but no strings attached, no tags attached, but it requires a pledge. Now, when I say $5 a year, okay, make it 50. You're living in the West, you need to account for many of the less capable brothers and sisters, make it 50. This goes directly into aid for the people of Gaza. So that's the proactive distribution or the proactive giving. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. also have, so we have the giving and we have the withholding. And the withholding culminates in the boycott movement. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Starbucks, and McDonald's are reeling under the boycott movement, okay? And McDonald's have only recently started to publish their figures. Starbucks have been doing so from the beginning. Target four or five companies and vow to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the food and drink coming from those companies isn't going to touch your gut until the end of your life. The, 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 Moroccans, uh, the Moroccans successfully managed to close down H&M. Mm. Successfully managed to close it down. There is no excuse for the existence of Starbucks or McDonald's or any of these uh, uh, American pro-colonial entities, companies uh, within the Muslim world. But even in the West, even in the West, there are other options. Mm. You know, I've, I've even really um, sort of cooled down on my Costa. So, man, I know that's a difficult one for you, bro. <laughs> but I, there are I other options. To, I just need to uh, use up all my uh, Starbucks points, bro. Is that is that still allowed? <laughs> Allah, I don't know. I, I think when it comes points to points, like you're, you're, you're probably gonna make yeah. what you're gonna get a free cup of coffee. Yeah. Or or two. Can I, am I invited? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but subhanallah, this own, this uh, is very important. The yeah. the boycott movement actually is one of the foremost uh, methodologies of uh, yeah, yeah. al jihad fi sabilillah. In your, as, in your position, to, um, Islamic finance guru 
um, um, to do a deep dive into boycotts, different types of boycotts, what impact is it having, and other kind of economic impacts that the Muslim mm-hmm. uh, and our um, you know friends and allies are having uh, against perfect, the Zionist perfect. entity. And this well, uh, Alhamdulillah. fix them. Just final, final two, final two yeah. is uh, the creation of media content, which we spoke about. Okay, mm. but not just reactionary media. Not just reaction. We want long-term media. We want educational yeah. content. Yeah. We want to go back to the contemporary history and the ancient history. Educate people on the issue. Yeah. Uh, uh, transmit the fadail of Bayt al-Maqdis. Transmit the fadail of the people of Palestine and the Sham generally. Okay. Uh, and and finally, advocacy, which is whoever produces good content, support them. Yeah. Distribute yeah. the content, send it around, share it, like it. Subscribe yeah. to it, uh, and so on and so forth. Add to that. Ask your question. Who are some of the people that you think, um, brother and sister, should follow that are doing good analysis and doing good stuff in the English language? Maybe for people while they're learning Arabic. I mean, I've been I've been noticing mm. even like some um, non-Muslim kind of Western um, uh, kind of military experts have been you know commenting on 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 things on the ground. Um, political analysts. Um, I mentioned Chris Hedges, for example. Yes, uh, I was going to say. So yes, uh, I was going to say. So so he's obviously uh, uh, Chris Hedges, uh, mm-hmm. David Miller of Bristol University, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he's anticipating the outcome of, of his hearing uh, very soon. May Allah subhanahu wa taala give him success and hidayah. Allahumma amin. Follow the websites Islam uh, Islam Twenty One C, Salman. Have you, have you heard of that one? <laughs> and and the brothers demon, from though, Five but... Pillars, yeah, and the brothers from Cage. MashaAllah, yeah. they're doing some excellent work. Uh, Dr. Well. Norman Finkelstein, Middle East Eye, mm. Al-Quds Network, yeah. uh, Al Jazeera English on mm. Palestine tends to be a, yeah. uh, a fair outlet. Um, uh, and also uh, we have uh, brother Loki, MashaAllah, he's doing some excellent work. Um, there are many activists as well who whose analysis is more, let's say, uh, 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 basic level. People would be well aware of them. But those we've mentioned are, the, are, mm-hmm. are those with a bit more depth and, and nuance in what they say. Okay. Uh, and inshallah, you know, um, I think Salman people will know by now, inshallah, yeah. the, the, the main voices on social media. Follow me as well, if possible. Salam, put my anchor in the, uh, in the okay. description there. Okay. Inshallah, increase, your name again? increase my, my following slightly. <laughs> so my, my name is Ahmed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but my, my anchor is... Uh, uh, Sarim, uh, good to meet you too. Uh, yes. Sarim blog, Sarim blog. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll and uh, and inshallah we can so. share some ideas. Like there. Khan, bro, yeah. just a quick question at the end. Finish this sentence. If our audience would remember one thing from this podcast, it would be truth and justice. There's two things, but what? we'll let it we'll let, let it slide. Inshallah. Zakma khairan, Sheikh Ahmed Hamouda for joining. That's Ahmed Hamouda joining uh, all the way from um, on, uh, the the Holy Land. Of uh, the, the, a different holy land, alhamdulillah. But Zakm uh, al for joining, and Zakm al for you joining uh, at home. If you like this podcast, remember to get a like and a share. Um, and get us, let us know in the comments uh, if you have any insights, any agreements, disagreements, any um, remarks, then do let us know, inshallah. And uh, until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.